I'm so glad to be part of Bridge Group because women are just more democratic. When even when they lead, they listen. I silenced myself. What are you saying about me? If I'm not honest and good to myself, I will speak because that is the only way. Is enough. Is enough. This is Women Emerging. This is the third podcast. It's all about who's on the expedition. And no, 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 if you've joined us today because you think I'm going to tell you who they all are, I'm not. You already know four. You know about Vidya, you know about Hinamoa, you know about Anna, and you know about Mona. And today you're going to find out about Yvette and you're going to find out about um, Anna. But I'm not going to tell you about anybody else. I just, I can't bear the thought that I'm going to give you a list of names and job titles and organizations and how boring that would be. So you're going to meet, you're going to meet all the members over time. The, the ones you've met already from the podcast, I hope it's meeting them in this weird way, I think might just capture their energy and their character for you, their, their laughter and their burns, their scars and, and the things, as I say, that make them burn. But I will tell you a bit about the group, I promise, I promise. Firstly, I'll tell you that the group has people from Canada, the US, Brazil, UK, Poland, Germany, Russia, Sierra Leone, Syria, Nigeria, Pakistan, India, Singapore, China, New Zealand, Australia. That doesn't really mean much, does it? All of them, that's just one of the countries they come from. They all come from multiple countries. You've got people who've lived their lives on islands, on tiny islands, and who really understand really tiny communities. You've got people who are refugees who spent their lives moving around the world. And there are people from indigenous communities, there are people from cities, there are people just about women from just about everywhere. They're from sports, from psychiatry, from tax, from philanthropy, there are politicians, there are people from the financial sector, there are women in education, there are women who are a violinist, who's a student, an environmental expert, an engineer, there are army officers, there are bureaucrats, there are people in universities and there are people who are inventors. You got the lot. It's a very, very strange group of women who are all members of this expedition. I'm the leader of the expedition, but I've got two helpers. One, somebody whom we're calling the resident disruptor. If we, if we start getting too nice to each other or, or lazy in our thinking, she'll disrupt us. I have no doubt whatsoever that she will. And then we've got a resident enabler. So that um, you've got, so that all the members have got somebody to go to complain to if I'm too outrageous. But also who'll spot people who are more involved or less involved and how the group is developing. So it's an extraordinary group of women. They have in common... Well, there's a baseline that every single one of the members of the expedition have to speak more than one language. I deeply believe that if you speak two or more languages, your brain is wired up in a different way. And, and, and we need that for this expedition. But also we need that for the collection afterwards. We need to be able to express whatever we've learned in masses and masses of languages. And given the group of women, I know we will be able to express what we've learned 
in masses and masses of different languages. So that's the baseline. Second sort of key requirement is that um, that the women who haven't made their minds up already, and they're not just going on the expedition to prove that they were already they were always right. They've got to be people. They've got to be women who 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 are open to thinking of things again, and to and to looking beyond the PowerPoint. There are some remarkable women I've met who talk extraordinarily effectively about leadership, but but in the second conversation or after the first PowerPoint, I couldn't go deeper with them. And and so those they're not on the expedition. These are people who, however many layers of the onion skin you pull off, to me, they've still got some another angle, never the way of thinking about it. There's the baseline, of course, also that these are women who are prepared to carve out the time to do the expedition and often to carve out the time to do the expedition calls in the middle of the night, if if that's necessary. And they also have to be basically people who are generous with their knowledge. They're prepared and happy to share their IP. Their instinct is open source. Their, their instinct is to share. And at the moment, I'm spending an enormous amount of time, now that the, the group of members is clear, in trying to figure out how to build the group before we actually launch on the expedition at the end of May. That's, I, I, we created one group of, um, I think it's six members of the expedition who can all sing. And it's a, a WhatsApp group and they're all singing to each other. They don't actually know who they all are. They just know each other's first name. Um, but they've started singing to each other. And I, I love going on that WhatsApp group. And then, the, then we've we've got some other WhatsApp groups forming, but again, it's a bit of a mystery to the members of the expedition what the whole lot, the whole group is. I have not sent them a piece of paper with column one name, column two job title, column three organisation. I can't bear the thought of doing that. The other thing I've done is to is to ask one of the members of the expedition if she'll talk to all the others, so she's the only one who's on the inn to talk to all the others um, very quickly, but just to get a sense of them and then to write something about each of us, to write it briefly and then and then and then we'll we'll share it with all the members. And and that means Yvette is the person. She she was foolish enough to said to say to me a few weeks ago, can I volunteer to do anything useful? I don't think she'll volunteer again because I immediately jumped on her and said, would you write this piece? And she did. Um, And I think she's loved doing it. But let's talk to Yvette first. Yvette, I've already introduced you. I've already introduced you as the only person to date who has spoken to every single one of the expedition members. That's me. But you are an expedition member yourself. So... So before we start talking about all the others, let's just talk about you for a minute. And I've got this question I've been thinking about all night, and and it goes as follows. Why is this so hard? Why do we need an approach to leadership that resonates with women? Why is the pushback so hard? And I don't want to be anti-men. I love men. I married a man. You know, men are fabulous, but what is going on? What is going on? And and I was thinking you're the perfect person to ask because 
you are somebody who's been in the sort of supercharged male world for years. You've been in the army, you've been in cybersecurity, you've been in space, you've been in mega male world. So, so Yvette, why is it so hard? I wish I had a one word response to that or a simple sentence, but I think the way I think about it is leadership itself is hard. I mean, it, it, you know, you don't wake up and become a leader. It's, it's a lifelong, you know, as, as I've said before, it's a lifelong pursuit of excellence. So it's hard and, and you don't always get it right. And um, there's no textbook. Uh, we study it for years. So leadership within itself, I think, is very difficult. But then when you layer in the complexities of you know, women and, well, not that women are, well, women are complex, as are all people complex, but when you layer in uh, the fact that, you know, women have not been in the workplace for a very long time, women take on additional burdens, jobs, tasks, if you will, in society, and because of that, nature versus nurture, we think differently, Um, you wrap in uh, biases that are there, um, about women. So we look, I think, I think we'll find that we look at the world through a different lens, right? And, and people look at us differently. And so what you're really layering in is an already complex topic. And then you're layering in more complexities. And I don't mean that in a negative way, it just means that we've got to journey through this and, and figure out you know, uh, how to do this better, how to make it resonate with more people. You know, leadership is an in- inclusive sport. But if it's inclusive, why is it so hard to get men to recognize what you've just said and to leave some space for a different approach to leadership from the one that has dominated and been reframed by them? Surely, intellectually, men must just see what you've just said and say, well, that's useful. Why, why, why is it so hard to get to make that self-evident? So I think um, that's a fabulous question. Um, I think there are, you know, clearly there are people out there who are really trying to learn all aspects uh, of leadership, you know, in a very pragmatic way, I'd say that uh, because leadership is seen through the lens of men right now. That's what they know. They're trying to learn. They have not, uh, you know, we're we're putting this in one big bubble and I don't mean to make this a a hand wave for all men, but, but I think men are brought up to have a very directive way of leadership. And I'm not sure. And I think we'll discover on this journey that that is the way that, that women necessarily do it. So they're too busy looking at, you know, trying to survive in their own pocket, if you will. And so to see another way or other ways, unless you're in the absolute lifelong pursuit of leadership excellence, you just may not see it. You may not be open to it. You may not understand how it benefits you. And I think that we'll discover that it benefits everybody, a a particular way of leadership. You know, there's a study that was done, uh, and this is a military study a long time ago, that talked about, um, you know, when young men, uh, young people are entering into a male-dominated workforce, 
that the male form of leadership, which is very directive form of leadership at a young age, is what is desired. But it's not until you get to a much senior position um, that the feminine form of leadership is what is really required, collaborative, um, you know, the soft skills, if you will, where, you know, CEOs, senior leaders, global leaders really need to tap into that. But unfortunately, we haven't trained people to do that. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of intersectionality here and a lot of learning to do, but it's hard. Leadership's hard and opening the aperture to see all forms of leadership, all forms of styles and the lens through which you see it through is hard. It's even harder. You use that expression soft skills. Do men really, really Sorry, forgive me. I'm in a silly mood today. But, you know, do men really think they're soft skills? I mean, it just amazes me that the people still talk about soft skills because everything that comes under the heading of soft skills, in my mind, are the hardest things. They are. They are the hardest things. So it's it's the relationship building. It's the treating your people right. It's looking beyond yourself. It's creating organizational tone. It's those things that really make us want to jack knife out of bed and go to work every morning. It's those things that uh, it's all the other stuff which really makes us uh, productive, makes us, you know, uh, you know, become the best versions of ourselves. So, you know, whether we use the textbook terminology of soft skills, hard skills, the bottom line is. Those skills are needed everywhere and every organization within families, within communities, you know, those skills are needed and are critical to to leadership. As a man, as a male leader who is completely has never opened their aperture and is completely blind to everything you've just said. Have you ever worked for one like that? You needn't tell us who, but have you ever worked for one and have they ever reduce because I think this is important if I tried to reduce you to tears I have no idea I think you're one of the toughest women I've met so has has one of those men ever actually reduced you to tears no no but I have been I have been frustrated beyond all belief as I'm sure a lot of women have been it's this it's the age old you're at a table you come up with a fabulous idea. People, you know, look past you. The guy to your right or left says the exact same thing. And all of a sudden, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Well, that hasn't reduced me to tears. What that, what I personally do is turn that into, uh, you know, the moxie, if you will, to go back in. Uh, you know, I personally don't have a problem of raising my hand and saying, hey, I just said that. You know what I mean? But I am... I have become really, really frustrated. So there have been tears of frustration, you know, in my, you know, in my bathroom late at night where I'm just, you know, you know, frustrated with a particular person or a particular set of circumstances. Yes, but that just makes me an even stronger, tougher, wilder fighter. And it makes me think of ways to win. I was waiting for which word you'd choose there. <laughs> so you didn't say to bring them down. You said no, to no. Win. 
No, it's to win. And, you know, and honestly, you know, I think that is also a skill that we all, you know, have to learn at some point, you know, that's to get your point across, to have people see things your way or a new way. And that's part of leadership, right? Uh, You know, the ability to influence people. And sometimes, yeah, you come up across that, across, you know, like a fly banging into a window but there are always ways. There are always ways to uh, get people to see things your way and, and to win the argument or to win the, the respect or to win uh, for your organization or to do the right thing um, or to vote with your feet and leave. Um, so there, there are ways to get around it. It's just a tougher form of leadership. Okay. I'll go are you buying it? <laughs> I'll go away and think about it, or I promise. So, so, so back to it. You've spoken to every member of the expedition. So, and and when you finished talking to every member of the expedition, I remember that you phoned me up and she said, "You said, I got it. I got it. I can see it now. I got it. What what was it that you'd got?" Wow. So first and foremost, hats off to you, my lady. Milady, milady. Sorry, <laughs> I think that's a very Americanism, but uh, and related to a movie. But so, but hats off to you for the people that you have chosen for this expedition. Because first and foremost, they they come from around the globe. They really are steeped in their local communities, their local cultures. They come from all walks of life. You know, the the age range, the experiences are are very different. But there's a common thread. You know, this is an expedition. So there's a sense of, you know, everybody's, you know, an adventurer. Everybody has been thinking about leadership or in the practice of leadership for a while. So you have a cohort that's that's truly global, that's truly done some thinking on this. Um, but the thing that I really enjoyed is everyone obviously comes at it from a, a different angle, a different thought, a different layering in. And, and I saw immediately, you know, the connections between people and, and how I can immediately see that people are going to riff off of each other or people are going to challenge each other. But in the end, it just in you know one you know uh, swath of conversations, I can see that we're going to advance the thinking on the questions that you're asking, and I think that we won't have an answer going into this, but we will have some sort of response when we come out of this. It's clear to me. There's very you know very thoughtful you know ex- expeditionites or expeditioneers, if you will, uh, on this, uh, on this team. So, you know, that's just on a, on a, uh, you know, professional level, but even on a personal level, you know, the different personalities were, were so much fun, everything from, you know, what are people's, you know, I asked one of the questions I asked, you know, a very simple question, what other hobbies do you have in your, you know, little bit of spare time that you have in your life? It was very interesting to hear people's hobbies. So we've got this cohort of, you know, I've got a couple, I don't know if you know this, but we have a, a couple of endurance athletes, you know, people who run, you know, you know, hundreds of, you know, kilometers. Uh, we have gardeners, but uh, we have, uh, you know, historians, historians, 
we have, I will tell you everybody, everyone I did talk to that were absolute voracious readers. So you've got this commonality in the sense of women who from around the globe, who have a sense of adventure, who have been thinking about leadership, who know that there's more to explore, um, but you're not going to get a, a pat answer with this group. You're, you're going to get folks who will challenge each other. But Julia, the aha moment was something new and refreshing will come out of this. That I'm, that I'm certain of. So I've spoken to a few that have spoken to you in this, okay? And the rumor has it that, that you've, you've given them some of them, I don't know, would you call them nicknames? Um, <laughs> is I this rumor true? Not a complete. Um, but as I was trying to remember everybody, because I, I just started putting in, you know, their nicknames so I can remember that. Okay, come on. Come on, Yvette. Let's play okay. a game. Okay. I, I want, give me a nickname and I'll see if I can guess who it is. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm going to start off easy. The educator. The enthusiastic educator. Balawi. Boom. Good job. <laughs> okay. Here's an easy one. You ready? Yep. The healer. <laughs> the healer. <laughs> oh, Aisha. No. Uma. No. <laughs> Alia, Sarah, Anne, Anna, Liz, Mona, Yvette, Laura, Fatima, Anna, Katia, Ruba, Aisha, Isata, Falawi, Vidya, Uma, Apana, Selvi, Hinamoa, Katrina, and Erica. They all are. They all are, but Hinamoa in particular. Yeah, no, fair point. Yeah. One more for you. You ready? Okay. Last one. Okay. I've got two names for her right now. And it's the quiet storm or the North Star politician. Izata. Izata. You got it, baby. You got it. I keep calling her Izata and she hits me. It's Izata. And right. yeah, she's class act hey this group is gonna be so much fun and various people are gonna never forgive me for not guessing and i can't wait to hear all the other nicknames but yvette thank you so much for doing this move on next to anna who's a, a wonderful and amazing violinist she's polish and she's one of the youngest members of the expedition a remarkable young woman whom I spoke to her about leadership when she had just got home from the main station in Warsaw. Anna, this is a sort of strange time to talk to somebody who's Polish. You must be very proud of being Polish at the moment, aren't you? Yes, I am. I am very proud of being Polish. I remember my parents used to tell me about the time of commies, that people were very... Uh, helpful they were sharing all the stuff they have or they don't have and they you know even they don't have they they shared and uh, but i never seen in my eyes i i'm too young to, to remember but now i think i i know what they meant it just i i i just saw uh, people in poland um so much open to strangers to to people they don't know they they know they in need I saw so many people uh, opening their houses, they 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 private life for people they don't know. It's it's incredible, very very moving. 
I remember we used to talk about leading from the back. I will explain that more later. But it was it is a perfect example of leading from the back. In the back of the orchestra, um, you have uh, violinists, you have also cellos, different sections. When you are leading from the back, it means that you know that even if you are one of the many violinists, you're important. Your your role is not only to follow, but also to give all what you have towards the common vision. So if the last stand, for example, to be more to be more clear, uh, when you have a concert and uh, you have a conductor who is not is concentrated on his role as a leader, now we need to follow. So the last stance, there are many, many stands, like 10 stands, for example. And the last last stand is just like following the energy of the of the stand before, before, so in front. So the energy is just coming less and less and less and less. And the last stand sometimes is very funny to observe, like people are like first first stand, you're like that, the second like that. And the last one is like really. Like really what, laid back. Yes, laid back, uh, you know, whatever. And it was, it's, it is, it's very often when we don't realize uh, that this, this leading from the back. And when you have, for example, I experienced this uh, in the orchestra, uh, European Youth Orchestra, UIO, when, where you have, they, they really put an effort to, to, to make us understand why it's so important. And you can see, after the rehearsals, when we are, uh, we were talking about this, you can see people uh, very actively pushing the energy and the uh, the connection between the, the last stand and the conductor is so strong. So the people in in the middle they forced from both sides and encouraged to 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 give all what they have to participate to be visible. Because when you have so many musicians, you can see, you can say, you know, I'm, I'm just one of, you know, many. So what's my role? And uh, when you realize that your role, your active role in participation is actually also listening, because you know that you are listened as well. So it's just uh, emphasizing the participation feeling. I remember you told me that leadership was no longer about somebody coming out and standing on a box and waving sticks at you. And yes, so so if it's not about standing on a box and waving sticks at you, what, what is it instead? I would call it being a surfer. I mean, surfer or server? Surfer. Servant. <laughs> Both, actually. Servant. I was thinking you were going to surf the web. No. You're going to serve. You're going to be a servant. Also, so but great... also surfing on the waves of music. Because when you are a conductor, especially, I don't want to blame young conductors, I, but very often it, it happens like that because they want to kind of prove their ability. So they, they kind of imposing a lot of, they controlling what they want to uh, recreate from their head. But they forget that they have people in front very good musicians. So instead of imposing their vision of uh, the sound, they should listen what they can offer 
as a musician because they have a lot of imagination. Also, we have we need to have a common vision, which that's the role of the conductor to have kind of long distance, you know, the, the path. But the way we follow the path, uh, it's it's a different thing. I remember when we played with uh, Maestro Heiting in Concertgebouw in Amsterdam. He he was a marvelous genius. He was a marvelous conductor. And one of the features he had, he was treating everyone so um, respectfully, so yep, um, and the music. So in the in the in the pause in the between the rehearsals, one of my friends. Uh, Ask him why are you doing this. You have, you, you know, he didn't say you're old, but you know, after eighties, you can have a nice, ret- you know, retirement. And why you bother to, you know, put your effort to to conduct all again the, the same things, the same music, and and that that's not the same music for him because it's different. He plays with different music uh, musicians. So his answer was, I'm always conducting. Uh, no, he said. I will stop conducting if I will not get anything new from the musicians. So he's really listening and giving a lot of freedom. When somebody, when you see someone and you give a trust to someone, it's, you know, some miracles can happen because you can actually get more than you expected. Thank you, Anna. He didn't say, um, I'll stop conducting when I have nothing new to give. He said, I'll stop conducting when I get nothing new from musicians. There's a lot of leadership learning from music and from orchestras. Thank you, Anna, very much. So we now come to the end of this third Women Emerging Expedition podcast. You've now met six of the expedition members, but I hope you've got a real feel for the whole, the whole group. There'll be two more members next week. One, a politician from Sierra Leone the other a child and adolescent psychiatrist from Pakistan. And they'll be talking about what's made them angry enough to actually join this expedition. And me, I think I leave you with a thought that a friend gave me last year. She said to me, Julia, friends tend to to go into three groups. There are the friends that you make that are for a chapter or the friends that you make for a reason. And then there are the friends that you make for life, a chapter of your life, a particular purpose that you gather around, or the friends that you make for life. And uh, I think maybe there's another category, the friends you make for an expedition. But um, I hope that those friends that I make for an expedition come into the life category. They're a remarkable group of women. Their success will cause many more women to say... If that's what leadership is, I'm in. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Your voice and perspectives are crucial to the success of the expedition. And we would love you to become a partner to Women Emerging. You can do this by subscribing to this podcast and joining the Women Emerging group on LinkedIn.